It's Wednesday, and that means prospect team of the week. Quinn Priester throws a gym in AAA Indianapolis. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're probably part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So, prospect team of the week, as we do every single week, these are the best performances from 19th through 25th. Uh, we normally stick with a full season. I do have a guy from Rookie Ball here. We'll get to that in the second segment. But we're going to open this week with right-handed pitcher Quinn Priester of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, is in AAA, has been in AAA all year, and had himself quite a game for the Indianapolis Indians. He's been throwing to Indy Rodriguez, the top-catching prospect that's not in the bigs. Henry Davis is already up. But has a start, six innings, three hits, no runs, two walks, 11 strikeouts. Uh, Normally doesn't sound like it's a prospect team of the week caliber performance, but to me, this is the example of what what the Pirates have been missing during this losing streak. And I think that as we get towards the MLB draft and we get towards that number one overall pick and Pittsburgh's trying to figure out, do we get uh, outfielder Dylan Cruz, who could be a generational type of uh, hitter? Do we get pitcher Paul Skeens, who has the potential to maybe be a number one and could be up as soon as this year working out of a bullpen? Uh, It's something where you have to kind of take a step back and say the biggest issue that this organization has had is pitching. And I'm not saying the front office is going to be swayed by what happens in the minors over the next two weeks. But what I am saying is that all of these things are are data points that go into that decision. Do you take Skeens? Do you take Cruz? And so when you see pitchers from the organization pitching really well right as you get up to the deadline that does create a little bit of uh, just something subconsciously about you know the pitching's okay so this has the potential to affect the MLB draft but Gwen Priester himself is having a good year so 15 games in AAA 7-3 with a 4-3-6 ERA in 74 and a third innings 76 strikeouts so 9.2 per 9 to 32 walks 3.9 per nine, five home runs allowed. And the thing that he's been able, the ERA is a little bit higher than it was last year when he went uh, high A, double A, triple A all in the same season. He spent most of the year in double A Altoona. But uh, the strikeout rates, like it's technically better than it was in Altoona. The walk rates ticked up a little bit as well. But relative to what the level is doing, he's doing a really good job at, improving the things that like Quinn Priester's improving the things that he had to get better with. When you go back and you watch him in 2021 or so, 
he was throwing a four-seam fastball that was not that great. Velocity was fine, 94, 96 or so, but the actual pitch itself wasn't that good. So he flipped over to a sinker, throws that just about as often as he throws the four-seamer. And it is, it's not the star of the show, but it sets everything up, right? Uh, it fantastic as far as getting ground balls and things like that. But he pairs that with a plus curveball that it's a vertical breaker. He can drop it out of the strike zone. He has a slider, sits in the upper 80s. Oftentimes, those sliders, the harder you can throw them while preserving the movement, the better they get. So the upper 80s is good on that. And then the changeup is mid to upper 80s. Good you know, as far as uh, the arm speed matches and then the fade kind of mirrors what the sinker does, but obviously significantly slower. So you've got some of the, you've got all really the basic directions because he still has that four seam. He can throw that up in the zone. He's got the two seamer that goes down and, or down and in. He's got the slider that goes down and away. He's got the curveball that goes down. It's a good combination of stuff. And so he's, he's striking out 23.5% of batters. It's above average for AAA. Average is 22.4. And he's walking less than the average in AAA. The, the average for walks is 12% walk. He's at 10.2. Uh, and he's doing it over 50% ground ball rate. His barrel rate's below average, 6.6%. Uh, I think the average for AAA is just over 7 uh, His CSW's right in line at 28%. His swinging strike is higher than average, 13.6% swinging strike. So the improvement there is Quinn Priester's get, like he's missing bats. And that was the thing that he didn't really have when he was just throwing that four-seamer versus adding the sinker in there. Uh, it gets him something where he can get lots of ground balls. He also can miss bats. So the strikeouts come. And the idea here is if you're confident in this, this gives you a pitching option at the major league level. Uh, I mean, this year, it could be in a couple of weeks, you could see Quinn Priester called up and throwing meaningful innings for the Pirates at the major league level. Uh, and it, this feels like a very pivotal moment for the Pirates as far as what does their season do. They're in this losing streak. Where do they go from here? Uh, some of the runners-up, by the way, Winkleman Gonzalez of the Boston Red Sox in high A, five innings pitched, four hits, one run, one walk, 10 strikeouts. Owen Murphy of the Atlanta Braves for uh, the single A Augusta Green Jackets. Five and two-thirds innings, three hits, one run, no walks, and 12 strikeouts. Really great performances. The lefty, it's a guy we've talked about before, Yu Min Lin of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Started a game, uh, six innings, four hits. This is in high A. Four hits, three runs, but none of them were earned. There were multiple fielding errors. One walk to 10 strikeouts. So 87 pitches, 55 of those are strikes. And the thing with Yu Min Lin is... He's never really had that great velocity. The fastball sat in the high 80s, you know, 80, 88, 89, maybe 90. And it's like touching 92 or 93. But really, it's just setting up everything else that he does. He has a, a plus slider, I think a plus curveball too. The changeup is really good. He has a, he's kind of tinkered with a, a two-seamer and a cutter and a changeup that has like screwball action to it. And... Everything about him is really good. He's uh, the strikeout rate, 33% compared to the average in high A of something like 25. 
Uh, swinging strike rate, 17.3%. The average in high A is 13.5%. Uh, CSW, 33.6% on the season. The average is 29. Like, all of the stuff is good. The real question here is where does the velocity get to? Because it's not sustainable above high A throwing a 90 mile an hour fastball, even as a lefty. And so you feel like given how many other pitches he throws and how good they are, the curveball, the slider are really good. The changeup's probably the best one. And again, he's got a bunch of other things as far as the two seamer and the cutter and all of that extra stuff that he plays around with. And it's all with plus control, but the ceiling is 100% dictated by what does the fastball velocity do. Can he sit 92-93 versus flashing that at times? Can he get it to where he can touch 95 if he needs it? Uh, you know, that kind of, and granted, he's 19 years old in high A. Uh, as that physical development happens and as that velocity comes in, that's going to determine the ceiling for you, Min Lin. But either way, love what he does. In just a minute, we've got the infield here, including multiple Texas Rangers prospects. And we'll get to that next right here on Locked and MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. And that's why Game Time is here. It's fastest and easiest way to buy tickets to sports, music, comedy, theater, whatever it might be. Those of you who watch on YouTube, you see all these Jason Isbell posters that I have behind me all these different Disney Bowl shows I've gone to. I had one last Thursday, uh, and it was something where I was double booked with the College World Series uh, with the, the elimination game. Rhett Lauder versus Paul Skeens. Winner goes to the College World Series championship. Loser goes home. And so, buddy of mine, who I was going to watch the game, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm going to this concert. I didn't think there'd be a game tonight. He wanted to go with me, so we hop onto the Game Time app. We buy him a concert ticket as well. We both go to the concert. We're watching the game on our phones before the concert starts, during the opener. And right before Jason comes on is when the final out happens. Uh, LSU's on to the championship, and they go on to win the championship. Congratulations to the LSU Tigers. Uh, and then we were able to sit there and watch the concert kind of undisturbed because you don't have to plan months in advance with game time. It has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You get an image of your seat before you buy, so you know what to expect, and they have the game time guarantee. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Again, Create an account. Use code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Back to the prospect team of the week, and the catcher for this team is Kevin Parada of the New York Mets. I actually had a couple options here, which is surprising. We don't always get multiple options at catcher on this team. But Kevin Parada of the New York Mets. Five games in high A. He catches four of them, DHs one. A to 19, two home runs, two triples, three runs scored, six RBIs, two walks to five strikeouts, no stolen bases. This has been a year of adjustment for Kevin Prada. We knew coming into uh, the year coming out of the draft where he was taken by, by the Mets, we knew that his offense, like he was an offensive first catcher, but he had to adjust to the bigs. In 60 games in high A, 
we've seen some of that adjustment he's had to do. 65 strikeouts in 60 games. But I do like what he's been able to show recently as far as controlling the zone. The slugging is ticking up. He's got seven home runs and 24 extra base hits on the year. And so it's probably, you're probably going to be at high A for most of the year with Kevin Parada. You're also figuring out, is he actually going to be a catcher or not? Is he, do you think he's good enough to, uh, to, to stay behind the plate or do you move him to like a first base kind of scenario? And if you do both places, you've got a guy, you've got Pete Alonso at first, you've got Francisco Alvarez at catcher. But is there a place to him for him to do some catching, some first base, some DH, and play four or five days a week? There obviously is because of the need to work on his defense. You've got plenty of time to figure that out in the minors. The first baseman, I can guarantee you we have never talked about this guy on the show before. Abelmech Ortiz of the Texas Rangers uh, was an international free agent, I think 2019, and he is... He was moved up from low A to high A this year, was originally an outfielder and got like somebody who had tons of power, but he had too much swing and miss. He had too much contact issues because so things have kind of seemed to click for him this year. He was in uh, down east, low A all year last year, really kind of struggled. The power didn't didn't show up. He had a lot of swing and miss. He struck out 93 times in 93 games. This year, looking a little bit better. 52 games on the season, divided between low A down east and high A hickory, because he got promoted about a month ago. 323, 394, 640 slugging. It is a ridiculous number. It's, it's, I love seeing stupidly high slugging numbers like that. That is hilarious to me. 15 home runs, 29 extra base hits, again in 52 games, for Abel McOrtiz. 26 walks to 58 strikeouts in 52 games. So right there around that once a game threshold, 0 for 1 on stolen bases. But specifically last week, what he did in five games. So he four at first, he DH one time. 12 at 21, three home runs, three doubles. So half of his hits are extra bases. Eight runs and eight RBIs, three walks to four strikeouts. Uh, there was a couple other... I think, I think MLB Pipeline had Dustin Harris of the Rangers here, and he actually played more games in the outfield than he played at first base. So more Rangers doing great things, but I couldn't put him on the team because he wasn't actually a first baseman for more than half the week. Yeah, but he went like 7-17 with a home run, two doubles, and a triple. Like, he also had a good week. It's just, it's so hard. Uh, somebody else, maybe it was Prospects 1500, um, had Ivan Melendez. And it's like, well, he played more games at third base than first base. It was kind of tough to find first baseman on this team, but I'm glad that Abel Mech Ortiz stepped up, had a great week, and it just gives it gives a little bit more. To, obviously, being a first baseman now versus an outfielder, he has to hit because you don't have any defensive value to fall back on, but it just gives this organization a little bit more depth as far as they haven't really had a, what I feel like is a bunch of true first basemen in this system. They've had guys who could play first, but they weren't suited to first. So let's see how he does. Speaking of this organization, Thomas Sujaci was the second baseman of the week in double A over six games, 13 of 22, a home run, three doubles and a triple, seven runs, seven RBIs, four walks to three strikeouts, one for one on stolen bases. 
started off very slow this year. And it was something where we talked about this uh, on a show the other, uh, I think two weeks ago, maybe. And then I tweeted about this the other day in response to uh, to somebody making a tweet about it. But when you have like, we we tend to over overanalyze a slump, right? And especially when that slump is to open the year. And so uh, because his year started off so slowly and like things like that can happen. He's a very aggressive hitter. He got five games in double A last year. And so in essence, it's a new level for him in Frisco and a very aggressive hitter facing the biggest jump you take in the minors and is somebody who is already aggressive, like you're probably going to struggle when you first get there or you're going to have a like an amazingly hot streak and then you're going to slump. Like one of those two is going to happen. You're going to either slump right away or be incredibly hot right away. There's no middle ground there. But he's been able to rebuild his stat line for the season. 67 games for Thomas Sejaci, 312, 372, 502, 10 home runs, 18 extra base hits, 26 walks to 67 strikeouts, 6 to 7 on stolen bases. I do love some of some of the infield versatility there. He's been playing a lot of second. He can play some third and some first. The arm isn't really great at third, but the hands and the actions are fast enough to make it work. Uh, obviously, if you want to make it up in that infield right now, you have to be a utility guy. I think three of the four vote uh, leading vote getters in the infield in the American League are all Texas Rangers. So you kind of have to make it work. But uh, I like what Thomas Sejaci has been able to put together the last couple of weeks, and I think that he is. Rather promising. You're looking at probably a late season move to AAA. We'll have more about him, I'm sure, in tomorrow's show with Bryce Paddock of Locked On Rangers. Shortstop, Dean Jorge of the Colorado Rockies. 17 games in rookie ball. This is a thing we don't talk about a lot. We don't really spend a lot of time in rookie ball. But uh, what he did on the week first 12 of 21 in his six games, a home run, a double, and two triples. 11 runs to five RBIs, eight walks to five strikeouts, four four on stolen bases. Uh, he's he's actually kind of been like dominant in the ACL. Uh, on the season, again, short season, 17 games, but on the season, 407, 532, 661. Two home runs, nine extra base hits, 17 walks to nine strikeouts, and eight to eight on stolen bases. It's a like surprisingly dominant uh, thing here. He's had more multi-hit games than uh, hitless games. Like while he's, <laughs> it's it's surprisingly dominant and kind of like it's one of those things where like yeah we don't have video of rookie ball, but you can see stat lines. See dudes like this are doing great. He needs to go to low A. He's gonna get there at some point in time in a, probably a couple weeks. Get bumped to low A. Third baseman on this team was really tough. We went with Kobe Mayo, the Baltimore Orioles. In double A, five games this week, 12 of 26, three home runs, five doubles. So eight of his 12 hits are extra bases. Seven runs, five RBIs, six walks to three strikeouts, no stolen base attempts. On the season for Kobe Mayo, 313, 432, 609 in double A buoy. 14 home runs, 42 extra base hits, again in 67 games. 44 walks to 72 strikeouts, one for two on stolen bases. So you can see there's some strikeouts there, you know, more than one a game. But it's a guy where defense is eh, but the arm is really big. So he could play 
he could play, like, the arm is good enough to play right field if you want to move him to a corner outfield spot. Uh, obviously, he can play first, he can play third. But it's something where I honestly think the, the, the biggest outcome here for Kobe Mayo, knowing that his power is ridiculous, knowing that his hit tool was the thing that was going to hold him back, but it's looking like it's going to at least be average. Honestly, he feels like he's one of the big trade candidates for the Orioles to add pitching at the deadline. There's so many guys backed up in AAA who are struggling to get to the bigs because there's so many options, whether existing or promoted prospects like Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson and things like that. So you're going to have to move somebody. And Kobe Mayo feels like a guy, we thought he was going to break out last year. He didn't do it. If this is the breakout, uh, you're either selling on, like you're selling on him high or you're getting proper value for him when you move him. He's, his stock's not going to get higher than it is right now. Not with the slash line to 313, 432, 609. So if you see a trade at the deadline by the Orioles sending out a position player prospect, we predict it's going to be Kobe Mayo. Let's see what happens. Uh, Tanner Schobel of the Minnesota Twins was the, was the honorable mention here. Five games in high A, 8-19, four home runs and a triple. Nine runs to eight RBIs, three walks to three strikeouts, one for one on stolen bases. In just a minute, let's talk about the outfield. Because we may have fixed Emmanuel Rodriguez. We'll get to that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Welcome back in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. We're doing the prospect team of the week. And when we get to the outfield, we, it's, we had a conversation a couple weeks ago about Emmanuel Rodriguez of the Minnesota Twins and how he was not swinging the bat. It's like, you have to swing the bat a lot more than you're doing. You are really good. You just can't let them get free strikes and get in disadvantage counts. I believe that show was on June 8th. So, Emmanuel Rodriguez, since we did that show, his stat line, 340, 462, 660, with four home runs, eight extra base hits, This is in 14 games, mind you. 12 walks to 13 strikeouts and four for four on stolen bases. So congratulations. We fixed Emmanuel Rodriguez. Good job, everyone. Thank you for watching the show. Thank you for uh, for tweeting out the link and talking about it with your friends. The message got to Emmanuel Rodriguez. We have fixed him. If there's somebody else you want us to fix, reach out to me. Let me know how we can fix your favorite prospect. Uh, We will absolutely build it into a show, and we will also do it. We'll take a victory lap on it afterwards as well. Um, Shout out to the subtexters who have already been sending in their names of who they want to go. We'll get to those guys first. But last week for Emmanuel Rodriguez in high A, uh, he played center, I think, five of the six games. He DH'd once. But in those six games, 9-21, three home runs, a double, and a triple. So... He's still not swinging a ton, but he's swinging more and he's making the quality contact. Seven runs to six RBIs, six walks and six strikeouts, and two for two on stolen bases. If you look at the full season stats for Emmanuel Rodriguez, you can see where he has struggled. The 47 games in high A, the slash line is still 228, 377, 456. 10 home runs, 17 extra base hits, 41 walks to 66 strikeouts. There was the big... The big issue was 
the strikeouts, he was striking out way too much because he wasn't swinging. He was getting into bad counts. In the last, again, in the last week, he had six walks to six strikeouts in six games. And since we did that show, those 14 games, he had 12 walks to 13 strikeouts. So he heard us, he listened to what we had to say, and he has fixed it. And you're very happy about that. Uh, second guy, Jorge Barosa of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Really interesting player. So six games last week in AAA, 11-21, a home run, two doubles and two triples, five runs to eight RBIs, a walk, two strikeouts, two for two on stolen bases. Uh, Arizona has a thing with the short Kings. They've got, uh, they got Ryan Bliss, who is five foot six. He looked at five nine. He's actually five six. They got him when they started measuring for the for the strike zone. Jorge Barosa, five nine one seventy. He's a smaller guy, so the power output is very exciting. Now, full season, he hasn't shown that same type of home run numbers in his fifty nine Triple A games: two eighty five, three seventy nine, four eighty five, seven home runs, twenty one extra base hits, thirty one walks to thirty six strikeouts. 7 to 10 on stolen bases. But it absolutely does feel like someone is going to get moved by the Diamondbacks because what you need, uh, they're happy with center field. You've got Corbin Carroll. They're happy with left field. You've got Lourdes Goriel. You need somebody who's not that center field profile, but it's more of that corner hitting, like that corner outfield power hitting profile to go into right. Uh, I do like Jorge Barosa. I do think he has a role on this team. He's not that guy, though. The power is below average. The arm is below average. The defense is really good. He's probably the best defensive outfielder that's not Corbin Carroll in the system. It's just the power and the arm are not there to be that right fielder. I could see him being a fourth outfielder. I could see him filling in for Corbin Carroll if Corbin Carroll, knock on wood, were to get hurt. But he doesn't fit the profile of what they need and left, and they've got a ton of outfielders in this system and in AAA. They've got three starters in AAA, three guys at the bigs right now. They've kind of cycled through that third spot at the bigs between Jake McCarthy, Alec Thomas right now. So we'll see what happens. But at the deadline, I expect the Diamondbacks to move an outfielder uh, for some more stuff, just like they traded for Dalton Varsho last year to get a catcher. Third guy, it's actually a utility guy, but he played more outfield than anywhere else, so we can give him credit for it. Jeremiah Jackson of the Los Angeles Angels. He was in double A. That's the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Uh, shout out, we love them. Thanks for the merch, guys. Uh, two games in the outfield, two games at third, a game at second. So five total games on the week. Eight and 19, four home runs, two doubles, six runs to seven RBIs, no walks to six strikeouts, no stolen base attempts. Had some good stuff happen during the week. He homered in three straight games. He has a seven-game hit streak, uh, hits seven-game hitting streak right now. And this is the best way to use him, right? The questions were like the it was power tool was fantastic. Uh, significant hit tool questions. Defensively, the speed's above average, the arms above average to plus. This is the best way to use him. Let him play outfield, let him play infield, let him be a utility guy. You spend a bunch of money on a utility guy at the major league level and you haven't really gotten the return on investment. The good organizational development, like the good organization, like the organizations that are good at developing, they do things like find these guys internally. He is an option. Jeremiah Jackson is an option that can play. I mean, he's got the 
the range and athleticism to play it short. Again, he's played second and third. He's played in an outfield, a corner. He could probably do some center field with enough time, but incredibly valuable guy to have on your roster. So I'm glad that he started to pull it around. His full season slash line in double A, the power has not really shown up yet. 257, 322, 400. Seven total home runs. So last week was just was over half of his total for the year. Seven home runs, 16 extra base hits, 21 walks to 64 strikeouts, 15 to 20 on stolen bases. I don't know how much you can count the the AA Southern League strikeout numbers. So assume he's around once a game, even though it's 64 strikeouts in 56 games. But either way, I love what Jeremiah Jackson did. If he can continue flashing the power, he's a great candidate to be a utility guy and probably a of defensive fill-in at four different positions at the major league level sooner rather than later. Fantastic week this week. Again, we've got a, a great conversation coming up tomorrow with Bryce Patrick of Locked On Rangers talking about this first place Rangers team who has a top four draft pick. What all is going to happen with these guys, some of these prospects, guys who have been moved up, Thomas Sojaci, guys who have been moved down, Jack Leiter, discussing what's going to go on here. So stay tuned for that. But until then, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.